This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Thursday, April 2nd. S&P futures are rebounding about 46 points. That is about 1.8%, so that's less than half of the Wednesday pullback. Europe is up fractionally, about 30 bips. Um, but keep in mind, Europe traded better than the U.S. did yesterday, so it's, it, it makes sense that Europe would be lagging this morning on this rebound. Asia was mixed um, for the most part. Uh, Hong Kong and China traded well. Japan lagged. So it's a relatively quiet morning. The main impetus behind this rebound is crude. You have Brent and WTI both up about 8 to 10%. Um, Trump held his daily open mic session at the White House last night. He will be doing this, it seems, uh, seven days a week until the election. Um, they are being very effective, incidentally, as, as, a, as a political tool in terms of his favor, uh, favor, favorability ratings. Uh, but nevertheless, he spoke last night on crude. He said he expects a Saudi-Russian oil deal within, quote unquote, a few days. Um, unclear what that means. I would be very hesitant to really embrace that claim. Um, these press conferences that he's been holding have had a relatively tenuous relationship with reality. Um, and I think this one is, is um, you know, probably a little bit divorced from what's actually occurring. Um, you know, Russia has made some comments in the last couple of days suggesting that it would be amenable to some type of a detente with Saudi Arabia. Um, but it does not seem that the, you know, this OPEC plus alliance is really going to get back together and you'll see kind of a collective supply cut um, from all the major parties. So Saudi's uh, output as of yesterday hit a record of 12 million plus barrels a day. Um, Russia held its output about flat in in March. Um you know, so again, I think there's a lot of, of of attention being paid to the oil collapse. Obviously, this is exacerbating the coronavirus crisis. It's hugely negative for the U.S. economy. It's hugely negative for high yield markets and credit markets in general. Um, you know, you have the you know you have companies in the U.S. calling on officials in the White House, calling on Texas to kind of um, mandate some type of a, a supply curb. Um, Trump is meeting with U.S. oil executives on Friday. There were talks about potentially putting tariffs on Saudi oil imports. That would be a negative if that were to occur. Um, so a lot of movement. I just don't think you're going to see a huge real change on the supply outlook. Um, and even if there were to be some type of a supply action, given the demand destruction happening from the coronavirus, it's unclear if that would really even matter. So oil is is very oversold. Sentiment is, is, is awful around crude. Um, and so it's easy to kind of engender these types of one day spikes. Although I would just, you know, I don't, I don't really put much into, um, this, this talk about, uh, a Saudi Russia deal. There was also a separate headline that China is ramping purchases for its own strategic petroleum reserves, taking advantage of prices. Um, that's certainly not negative, although I don't think that that demand is really kind of going to move the needle, um, and won't come close to offsetting what's being, um, lost from the coronavirus. So oil is definitely the big story this morning by far. Um, that's helping kind of drive a rebound. Eurozone energy stocks are outperforming um, up about 4.5% for the um, the SXEP, which is the European Energy Index. Um, but again, that, you know, very, very oversold. That index is down about 30% year to date. Um, so that is really it in terms of major macro news. 
Uh, a couple of other items just talking about, you know, more signs of, of a recovery in China's economic activity. Um, you, know, you can look at, you know, they have a airline, airline flight statistics or so airline flights in March are up about 20% versus February, although that's still about half of the level before the coronavirus crisis. Um, you have in the U.S., you have kind of the more of these stay-at-home announcements. So Florida was the latest big one yesterday to announce once you have about 80% now of the U.S. population is under some type of a stay-at-home order. Um, you know, the data suggests that these social distancing policies are having, um, are successful in kind of, you know, flattening the curve, which has been the real objective of officials. Um, but it still seems that April will be a brutal month as far as the coronavirus. So April, you know, is probably going to be the peak in terms of transmissions, in terms of fatalities. Um, you know, as testing improves, you're going to see case numbers spike. So it's hard to kind of um, I don't know if we should really be getting spooked by the daily case figures that are being published just because it's a reflection more of expanded testing rather than, um, you know, I think actual transmissions happening on the ground. But April is definitely going to be a peak month, not only for the virus itself, but I think for the economic fallout too. Um, I think the market largely anticipated that in March. So I don't think, um, you know, my view on the market is still the same. I think the enormous amounts of stimulus announced by fiscal and monetary authorities, and you had the Fed last night. Um, acted again. So the Fed has made an announcement on essentially nearly every day going back until the beginning of March. So last night they altered a bank leverage rule that that will that will um, you know it's going to remove treasuries and deposits from the calculation that should help treasury markets help liquidity a little bit. Um, so all of those actions that have been taken collectively, I think, will make it very hard for the market to help hit a new low. And I think they can still provide further upside. So I think they can push the tape above twenty seven hundred. Um, but to get above 2,800, I think it's really going to be incumbent on science. It's really going to be incumbent on the transmission trends that we're seeing in the major hotspots. So Italy and the New York City, I think, are probably most important right now. Um, you know, the Cuomo press conferences that that are held usually around 1130 every day um, are more informative and probably more important for the market than I think, um, you know, the White House ones that happen uh, around 530 p.m. Um, you know, so that's where you're going to get um, you know, the latest trends and updates on New York City, which is by far the epicenter in the U.S. at the moment. Um, but I think to get above 2,800, like I said, I think it's really going to be incumbent on science. So if I look at over the next month, for me, the most important single catalyst is probably going to be these Gilead Regeneron drug trials, um, you know, to the extent that these are really effective in helping to combat and treat the coronavirus. I think that would be an ama a major relief for sentiment. Um, but that it, those are not due out until the end of the month. Uh, so looking on the calendar for today, the claims figure obviously is going to be very important. Um, I, I should say it's very much in focus. I don't really think it's going to be a major catalyst either way. So the, you know, the, the print estimate is about 3.6 million whispers are all over the map. Um, you know, people are talking about upwards of, of four and a half to 5 million. Um, you know, I think if it's, a, if it's a better number, quote unquote, if it's lower than the street, I think people, people would just dismiss it as not being reflective of what's happening on the ground. Um, and if it's a very large number, I think people will just kind of say that that that's reflective of what's occurring. So I don't I don't know if this is really going to move the tape, um, you know, either way. And that's kind of it as far as the the calendar. Um, you know, we're we're not we're kind of in a in a dry period right now as far as scheduled news on the eve of earnings season, um, which kicks off on the fourteenth. Next week is is also very light. There's really nothing scheduled on the calendar. Um, you know, I think it's just like I said, it's going to come down to kind of these daily coronavirus numbers that we see globally. 
the various different press conferences and, and um, you know, press briefings that are held by health officials. And those are something that really has to be looked at over time. It's hard to kind of look at any one single day of data and really extrapolate that um, or really kind of, uh, you know, look for an inflection point in one day. It's going to be uh, more of a collective looking at trends over the course of weeks. And like I said, the, the transmission numbers, the case figures are going to be spiking and that's just a, a more reflection of improved testing than anything else. Um, so that is really kind of it for today. I sent around a, a, a macro piece yesterday around midday. I have a link to it in today's piece. Um, and I, and, uh, it's up on the website as well. Um, you know, I think just quickly wrapping things up, you know, I think once you see the government and the CDC and the various different governors start to remove these stay at home restrictions, um, you know, I think it's incumbent then upon companies to really make people comfortable to get out of their homes again, to go shopping, to go back to work. And I think it's it's critical to look at the firms that have stayed open throughout this crisis. So the Walmarts, Target, McDonald's, Delta, the companies that are operating throughout this have been very innovative and aggressive in terms of helping the safety of their customers and their employees. Um, and so I talked about that in the piece yesterday about I think you're going to see a lot of retailers and companies take similar steps. And I think it's going to actually be probably a very important competitive advantage. The companies that can make customers and employees feel safest will probably succeed coming out of this. Um, you know, So Walmart and, and McDonald's said that they're going to be taking the temperature of all their employees you know, starting every day of work. This fogging technique that airlines have used, Delta had a whole um, video on its website about it. I think that will probably become commonplace in offices and in other retailers, um, you know, air filtration technologies and techniques. I think you're going to have to see companies get really aggressive in advertising some of these policies and changes that they're making um, once the restrictions lift to kind of make people comfortable um, leaving their houses. Um, so that is it for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>